Hello, and welcome back to Second Operator, the podcast dedicated to portable synthesizers and dollless music. I'm your host, Shines, super duper excited about our guest today, the legendary Miles Kundra, based in Cologne, Germany, meaning we got to speak with him earlier in the day for me on the East Coast of the United States when my brain has not yet shut down due to exhaustion. Um, if you do want to catch the show live, you can actually keep an eye on the Instagram account, which is at sign second.operator for information on the date, time, and guest featured in the next episodes. Our news today is uh, actually kind of light, as I wanted to kind of get into the interview as quickly as possible. But one story that I think is worth mentioning is this. Teenage Engineering, a rather divisive design company these days, has sent out a newsletter with the announcement that their field line of products is now complete. We can see the OP1 field here, accompanied by the TX6 mixer, the CM15 microphone, and their newest TP7 recorder. Where they come up with these names, I still don't know. It sounds like they're trying to do nods to old school product descriptors like, you know, the TI-83, the C-3PO, the BB-8. Anyways, their line apparently is now complete, so those of us waiting for and maybe even expecting an OPZ field upgrade will probably need to keep our expectations in check a little bit. I do think the vision of a completely battery-powered professional sound studio on the go is really, really cool. I mean, the design, the build of these products look robust enough to handle most anything, but honestly, I can't wait to see them uh, actually tested in the proverbial fields they were created to inhabit. Anyways, that's all the news we have for today. I would like to now welcome our very special guest for this episode. Miles Kundra comes to us from across the Dallas universe, fresh from a trip to Berlin for Superbooth 2023. Miles makes insanely well-produced YouTube tutorials on our synth favorites, such as the Mother 32 and the Electron boxes. Really excited to talk about his musical background as well as his recent experiences in Berlin. Miles, welcome to the show. Hey, Shines, what's up? Good to see you, man. It is very good to see you. It's really good to meet you in person and to have you coming in loud and clear. Yeah, and exceptionally (laughs) good audio quality from uh, straight from Germany to North Carolina here. Um, Hopefully things are going well for you today. Um, You know, had a good day so far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just actually got off from work. And uh, the good thing is like my I work in a home office, so my workspace is just Three meters across the table <laughs> you here. Just so you your chair and you're there. That's yeah, awesome. Just, I just switched over. Yeah, so it's uh, <laughs> not, not the farthest way, but um, yeah, all good. All cool. good. Well, man. thank How you for you? you know. Yeah, thanks for for being here after such a long day. It it always kind of hits me as um, you know, I, I can never quite get used to the interviews across time zones here, where I, you know, I I might be just in the middle of my day here, you know, just put my baby down for a nap, and I'm just kind of getting my my coffee finished and all that. But you know, you're finishing work, might be the end of the day for you. But um, but honestly, yeah, thank you for you know coming onto the show and sharing some of your stories and your processes with Absolutely. us um, after such a day. Well, let's actually get yeah. right into your background. You know, starting with your early life, can you maybe tell us how you got into music? Uh, yeah, that was actually um, when I was 12 years old. I started to play uh, bass guitar and acoustic guitar. Nice. And uh, yeah, I think like many people start their music careers in a in a. I played actually in a big band at school, and cool. that always felt a little bit 
weird because I, I I was always more the person kind of like making up my own stuff, not really mm. playing from a sheet of paper. Exactly. The notes displayed there was not my kind of thing. Yep. So it always felt a little weird to be in that big band because I also couldn't read notes fluently. So I just improvised everything. And then the, the <laughs> kind of like the, how do you say that? The director of the yeah, big band yeah. was a little bit like, oh, you need to play what's on there. I was like, no, wow. I, I don't want to. And this then was bass was, in the big band. Yeah, that, that oh, was uh, cool. bass guitar, electric bass guitar. Very yeah, cool. exactly. We also had some nice jazz pieces, so it was quite nice. But I was back in the day more a rock metal person. Nice. Uh, so um, nice. I had some friends, and then uh, one day a good friend of mine asked me, he was a drummer, he said, hey, we're... we're we have a band and we're looking for a bass player. Do you want to join? And then I went with them for a session. That was actually the first time when I really felt how cool music could be because we were playing our own stuff. And then we were just coming. I could play whatever I want. And then people were like, yeah, that sounds great. Maybe yeah. I can do this on top. And it was immediately more intuitive, like the way I would understand music, like not replaying something, but yep. just uh, yeah, playing something you have in your head, it. improvising. Yeah. Exactly. Did you do any and, writing uh, for the band or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, we, we did it all kind of like as a group. So we were fee- uh, four people, um, a drummer, bass guitar, uh, guitarist, and um, our vocalist. And uh, yeah, we, we basically did everything together. And um, yeah, we tried to really, um, yeah, come up with, um, yeah, with, with own song ideas on ourselves and then kind of like uh, always take it a little bit to the next level. Yeah. Also did a lot of workshops uh, on how we can improve kind of like playing together and all of that stuff, stage performance and everything. Wow. and yeah played there actually for 10 years and um 10 years this this is throughout yeah. high school and into into your later life and in, in college and yeah exactly so also when i went to university we still played as a band together but Whoa. that was when when we felt okay now lives go a little bit mm-hmm. apart from each other and this is also unfortunately when our band uh, split up we, we're still in good contact so everyone is good friends still yes. but it was just like different life situations and that was actually when i got into electronic music so mm-hmm. i first had a little break because i didn't know what to do because my only experience was playing in a band i yeah, didn't know years. how to produce any- that is, yeah it's, it's it's crazy yeah, yeah. it's like, it's definitely a long time and it was for me okay how can i now turn this into or how can i continue to make music but in a different context and mm-hmm. it took me some time to figure out that there is something like um boxes uh, that yep. can make music like uh, production tools like dolls and all of that stuff and yeah, this is actually how I got into it. I first um, started making more hip hop oriented beats, like a little bit lo-fi, old school, that stuff. And then I, I don't know how, but <laughs> I made the transition to electronic music, more techno, more housey. And wow. uh, yeah, this this way still goes on until today. I would say that is awesome. And we'll actually hear some of your um, some examples of some of your more housey kind of stuff. But um, can you tell us how you kind of found out about synthesizers and, and some of the electron stuff that you ended up uh, using? Um, yeah, so at first when I got into electronic music, I actually started completely on the door side. So I oh. got into Ableton and uh, had just a MIDI keyboard and nothing else. So mm-hmm. everything was kind of like in the door and in the box. And then actually it was, um, when was it? I think it was 2019 mm-hmm. when I got my hands first on on an actually an external synthesizer which was the electron digitone and at first i got it kind of like to be added to my door setup to have something to produce music into the door but when i got it i realized okay this is 
a standalone box. This oh, worked for me so best when I just can yeah. take it everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. And I can just take it everywhere and just make music just with this thing. And um, yeah, this is actually how I, how I got into it. And then I started to explore it further and further and just make standalone jams on the Digitone. Yeah. And um, yeah, then I realized, okay, four tracks is quite limiting. So um, I went to look for other boxes. And then, I mean, the obvious choice is then the Digitact. The Digitact and this is yeah. what I ended up with. Wow. Yeah. And then kind of like my, my setup kept growing and growing. And uh, I mean, I always try to keep it compact because I also want to, to have the opportunity to play live, to uh, take it somewhere um, with me for live shows. And, um, but yeah, this is actually how I got into, into synthesizers That's and all of cool. that stuff. It's it's really interesting. You went straight into the Electron um, Digitone or Digitone. A lot of people, their first synthesizers are, are things like, you know, the Korg stuff, like maybe a Volca mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. maybe even like the Micro Korg. Like, you know, pretty much everyone else who's been on the show, their first synthesizer has been the Korg Micro Korg. And honestly, oh, wow. okay. that was, that was I mean, also I, my first. So that straight into okay. something as complicated and complex as a, a Digitone. I mean, that is... Um, you know, you're, you're definitely shooting for the stars here. That's really, that's, that's confident, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, to be honest, for me, it was actually, I mean, I watched, uh, I watched a lot of YouTube tutorials on it. Like seriously, I think every YouTube tutorial on the Digitone out nice. there, be sure that I watched it. So um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I also went to a synth store to actually try it out okay. and for me, it was the, the workflow was kind of natural, like mm -hmm. also all with these um, with these trick locks and the the very complex sequence of the Digitone. It just all made sense to me. It was not something where I hear a lot of people are really struggling with. For me, it was like okay, it's it's super it's super um yeah reasonable that this function is at this place it, it was just all made sense where i have other sins where people say it's quite easy i'm like okay i don't really get this thing so yeah. i think it's also of course depends from person to person right. but for me it was like really More really intuitive. intuitive that's mm -hmm. super interesting wow cool yeah actually to be honest with you i haven't really tried one of those out um i do need to get myself to like a synth store uh, to try one, but mm -hmm. unfortunately, we mm -hmm. really don't we really have that here in in my area of North Carolina. I would have to probably go to Asheville, which is the home mm -hmm. of um, Moog synthesizers, and you know, I'm, Ooh, I'm not nice. really sure if they, I'm not really sure if they have one there in their shop. They definitely have, you know, all of their, you know, the Mother 32 and the subharmonicons mm -hmm. and all that kind of fun stuff there. Um, and I believe uh, Make Noise is also there as well. So things like the mm, the No cool. Coast, all those kind of synths are also based there. So the next time I go out to the mountains, man, I gotta definitely got to try some new synthesizers. But um, really, really itching to try some more Electron stuff. A lot of the folks that, you know, perform, that I perform with here in North Carolina are using Electron groove boxes, And, you know, they got sampling stuff. You can do wavetable synthesis. I mean, it's just amazing what these boxes are able to do. And they're portable. I mean, they're just really nice self-contained units. Um, absolutely. Honestly, they yeah. really do lend themselves well to creating content on Instagram. Um, did mm, you start mm -hmm. creating, you know, content straight away with the Digitone or did that sort of come later on? Uh, actually it, it, it came a little bit later on. Mm. So I first had the device and did kind of like my first steps there. And nice. then I had my, my, my first jam actually that I had ready that I felt quite confident performing. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, why not? Yeah, take my, at this time, actually, it was my, my cheap mobile phone, an old Google phone, I think. It was one of the first pixels. And then um, and then just a, the synth and then recorded to my old audio recorder. And nice. I was kind of like the audio quality I really liked. The video quality was 
so so okay. and uh <laughs> but but yeah it's just like how i how i started and then i've seen that it caught actually some attention i was also back in the day quite active in different facebook groups mm -hmm. around the digitone but also around synthesis in general just to learn stuff and to exchange with the community yeah. and that was also when people started kind of like to ask questions like hey how did you make this sound how did you make that sound and then i thought okay maybe i could make a tutorial and then i actually also shot my first tutorial which was completely an adventure because i didn't have a mic stand i basically had nothing so i kind of like taped my mic to some books and all of that stuff so it looked <laughs> it looked crazy like wow. and it also like when i listen or when i watch it now it's yeah. like the audio and um video quality is like mm, not the best <laughs> uh but hey this is this is how it's you start humble didn't beginnings. Have any, yeah, back in the day yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I love it. I love the idea the cool of stuff taping is... a microphone to books. That's that's probably yeah. the most unique kind of <laughs> DIY thing I've I've ever heard of actually. <laughs> Yeah, I think at, at one point I talked to uh, Eva Triti. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And I think he mentioned it in one of his comment sections, or he posted it somewhere on Instagram, yeah. that he kind of like had a similar construction for his live streams where he <laughs> kind of like taped his phone to books and then to a shelf kind of like to have the top down angle because he didn't oh, have so um, didn't have a, a camera stand for that. Yeah, and yeah. yeah it's, it's just crazy. And a lot of people are getting creative with the stuff they just have around them. And then at some point you can think okay maybe i could professionalize this a little bit but um <laughs> when it goes yeah. on for long enough it, yeah 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 absolutely yeah. for the first videos it worked perfectly fine cool i mean when once that subscriber count hits like over a thousand you're probably like okay now it's time yeah. to like maybe buy stuff i don't know i i, I feel True. you on that yeah um so when you started you know first posting stuff were you going as miles kundra at the time or how did that sort of name kind of come around um yeah i actually i think when i when i started actually my jams that was under miles mm. kundra i also had some some other projects just before that i had a uh, actually with the singer of the metal band i played in we had a german uh german kind of like hip-hop experimental project you Ooh, could say so cool. he's also a singer not really a rapper but i made beats so it's kind of like going in a little bit experimental direction okay. uh that was really nice and uh then yeah also did some some standalone stuff more in the beat oriented area but when i got more into four on the floor music like um a little bit techno housey that's when i went with uh with miles kundra and uh yeah the name actually comes from um the the czech author milan kundera which is uh well, I, I don't know the English word of the book. Mm -hmm. I should really look it up. But it's an amazing author. Like mm -hmm. he writes very nice books. And actually, my my given name, which is Milan, is um, inspired by him because my dad is a big fan of his books. And this is kind of like how the name wow. came together. Miles is just a nickname. How some people sometimes call me. And this is kind of like how everything came um, together. The V was a little bit. Yeah, I, I wanted something unique, but now I realize also, like we discussed it before the yeah. show, uh, <laughs> a lot of people now ask, how is it pronounced? Is it Kendra? Is it Kundra? Is it Kundra? And yeah, I, I can see the struggle there. That's I always funny. refer to churches or yep. another German artist who also uses the V as a U. But yeah, it's it's confusing. But for now, I haven't really got into getting back to the U. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you should keep it, man. I think like visually, it's really cool. Um, and funnily That's enough, really it nice, actually yeah. is a name. Um, I think it might be Scandinavian, like of origin, mm. um, using the okay. V instead of the U. Um, you know, when I did some research and looked it up at some point um, okay. last week, it, it well prepared. There's actually like a pronunciation guide on it. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's you. 
Maybe it's your your name. <laughs> maybe it's your brand name it, yeah, that people are like probably. teaching others to pronounce or something. But maybe it actually is like a Scandinavian last name. So I don't know. That jury's still out on that. If anyone knows, you know, put it in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. I mean, yeah. if it would be a... I, I looked it up. I didn't find anything kind of like... Yeah like this but uh yeah so at least it's unique so probably i'll stick with it <laughs> oh i love it so actually right before we talked about the name you were talking about some of your like techno house jams your four on the floor i actually wanted to play an excerpt from one of your recent jams this seems like a maybe like a live stream or a live show you did um but you have your digitone you have your digitact there but you also have the mother 32 playing a sequence and mm -hmm. so when we listen to this i kind of want you know for those of you guys out there listening you know listen in for that little sequence on that mother 32 and you know listen Listen out for my favorite part, which is your drops that you're creating, which I think are just, it's very impressive what you're able to get out of these boxes. So let's give it a listen. Um, I'm, maybe you can tell us the name of the track after we hear it. Um, and we'll, we'll take things there. And after we come back after the song, let's talk a little bit about Superbooth 2023. We'll talk about some of your favorite stuff that you saw um, in just a second. <laughs> Sounds great. All let's right. Let's do it. Let's give your track. is such a jam your drop thank your, you man your thank sequencing you. all that kind of stuff that you're doing so i noticed that it's not just the digitone digitac mother 32 but i think it's the um was it the push as well the push yeah, two it's the push two oh, exactly cool. so is this actually a dollar setup or a kind of like a hybrid this is a hybrid setup hybrid so setup. i just uh, recently made a little bit the transition from the completely dollars world so i had the the digitone digitac the mother 32 nice. and some here in the studio also have the microcosm hologram microcosm oh but God, i don't take so it cool. for live for live gigs i usually just use it here in the studio yeah. um and uh yeah recently i just made the transition to uh the the hybrid world because i wanted to have a little bit more sound mixing capabilities because the electron boxes they are great but when it comes to mixing mm. of course they are a little bit limiting because you just um yeah on, on the device themselves you have a filter and a digitact a master compressor but you can't kind of like compress or eq every song uh, sorry every track um independently and this is what brought me a little bit more to to ableton kind of like maintain this live vibe but also have more mixing opportunities and how i actually use it is when it's running i'm actually not looking at the computer screen at all it's just happening everything on the push so cool. it gives you kind of like a dollar's feeling because you yes. don't have a screen in front of you, you just have your boxes but still it gives you all the power um wow. that uh yeah a door would give you and yes. i think it really brings together uh, together the best of uh, both worlds at least for me oh that makes so much sense actually if you think about live mix 
um, a lot of that stuff is going through computerized mixing boards anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, you're just really kind of getting ahead of that a little bit to add the compressor or the limiter to your live sound. Um, I mean, I'm sure there might be some mixers out there, teenage engineering, we're talking about you, um, <laughs> that do all that. But I mean, I think for the versatility of something like a laptop, I, mean, I don't think you can really beat that. Um, how, how did you create those drops and those rises and stuff? Is that part of your sequence or is that something that, you know, you program in through Ableton or which, which of one of your boxes does that? Um, part, part. So, mm -hmm. uh, some of the risers and of the sounds are actually done in the boxes themselves. Nice. So it's then, I, I use a lot, especially on the diggies, I use a lot the internal LFOs for some mm. risers, for some, uh, yeah, just some, all these pitch ups that you're hearing. It's basically just a, an LFO going up an octave over time. So it's just, uh, it's just that actually, um, cool. And, uh, yeah, with Ableton now, of course, you have more sequencing opportunities. Mm -hmm. Like you can also have, um, longer, um, uh, longer Oops, pattern length, yeah. so to say. So in Ableton, they call it scenes, but actually on the electron world, it's a pattern. Um, and yeah, that's actually the limiting factor also on the electron boxes that the scene can only be long uh, 64 tricks. There are some workarounds to make wow. it 128, but still that's quite limiting. Oh and, um, yeah, this is also why I really like to use the, the Ableton workflow because there you can expand it a little bit and then play a little bit in the drop, give it some room and then go all in. And yeah, this is also how sometimes it's just by accident because in this case, it was like um, dropping I was by doing accident. The drop. Huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, in this track, uh, yeah. It, it, and then I wanted to drop into kind of like, yeah, the, yeah, the drop basically. Yes. Uh, so I was creating the buildup. And then I hit the wrong button and went to an empty scene. And that was kind of like when I had a total pause Whoa. in the music. And then the next track play, and I was like, hmm, actually, it's quite nice to leave some, <laughs> to leave some space in some here. Dynamics. And yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And this oh, is when I thought, okay, I will take some of the instruments out and then we'll, some will continue playing and do a further build. And then you have a small drop and then you go into kind of like, yeah, the drop. And, else, yeah. um, Exactly. And this oh is God. how everything came, came to place. It's, uh, yeah, drops are, are a science for themselves. Like seriously, it's <laughs> like, uh, so much you can learn or so much you can do wrong there. And yeah. when I watch tutorials, I'm like, oh shit, this is, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it totally the wrong way, but, uh, actually encouraging to hear that there are people saying, Hey, oh, this, it is, works, this is cool. So totally I appreciate works. that. Yeah. No, there's nothing like, um, doing a drop in front of people and then like seeing them go a little crazy when it mm -hmm. you know that's that is a feeling unto itself you know and i encourage Absolutely. everyone else out there try to try to do a drop an epic drop like that in your next track uh, or in your next live set um so speaking Absolutely. of the push to i mean we were we were talking just a little bit before this you know the show about how there's a new sort of member of the push family the push three um so is this something that you saw at super booth or is this something that kind of just was announced lately or how did you hear about this um, actually it was, uh, it was announced lately. So, um, it, uh, it wasn't presented on Superbooth. I met with, uh, some of the, the Ableton, uh, team members on Superbooth, but wow. actually they didn't, they didn't mention anything about they, it. They because, did it. It was just um, all hush hush. It yeah, just, it, it was, it was, it was not announced there. They are also not exhibiting officially. So it was just a meeting them there because they were at the show, but they didn't have a booth or something. And this also kind of like brought me to the kind of like, yeah, thinking, okay, probably they have planned it for super booth then it got delayed yep. uh Maybe it wasn't and quite ready, yeah. yeah yeah that wasn't there yet i mean i mean i know how it works in my day job i work for for sennheiser and we have a lot of product stuff coming and then 
there are delays and stuff, and then it gets pushed back. So I, I know how it works with uh, tech companies uh, working yes. on on hardware products. So uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, delay, delays tricky. are honestly, I think, very important uh, for the mm -hmm. product cycle. You don't want to. I mean, we see it in the video game industry all the time. People pushing out oh, products yeah. that aren't quite ready. Mm -hmm. um, but in hardware, mm -hmm. I mean, that stuff is baked in. It's not. You know, some yeah. products will allow for firmware upgrades or whatnot, but that would be very, very difficult to navigate if, if a product was out and it just didn't work or do something. But, um, mm -hmm. well, that's really awesome, man. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more about the Push 3, you know, and I want to hear, you know, your tutorial and your opinions in, in the coming, you know, weeks on it. But um, let mm -hmm. me ask you a little bit about Superbooth here. So what what took yeah, you there? Of course. I mean, this is something that you do every year. Were you planning to go this year or how did how did that end up coming around? Yeah, actually, it was the the first time for me at Superbooth, and uh, last year when I've uh, when I've kind of like mm -hmm. seen all of that, uh, all of the cool content around Superbooth, and uh, yeah, just everyone telling me it's a great time, you should come. I was like, damn, I missed it. And nice. actually, Berlin is not so far from where I live, so Cologne, Berlin, it's by train, it's maybe three, four hours, so yeah. it's really not that far. So um, I said early, okay, I I'll take vacation for thursday and friday and then i'll just um, go there and see what what comes up and um then i had the idea okay maybe i could also do a little bit of content creation just from mm -hmm. the uh, from the um from the trade show because actually i started my professional career as a journalist and i did a lot of oh, wow. stuff on radios and all of that uh, so yeah i thought maybe going a little bit back to that and going into the reporting side of things and yeah this is when I got then my accreditation for Superbooth and just went there basically as a as a content creator. And that, of course, is cool so because cool. you can then bring your own gear. You can yep. film there. You can move freely. You can just walk up to, to any exhibitor. Right. Saying, yeah, you're, hey. you're doing interviews. I mean, um, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll definitely have your YouTube uh, channel underneath in the description, but you're interviewing some of the people that were there. You're walking around. You're doing some of these synth demos and stuff as well. I mean, that is that is super awesome. I mean, that's it's one of my dreams or one of my goals. Um, I've actually been to Germany twice now, but um, mm. I've, I've never gone to one of the synth events. And I will one of my goals is to convince my wife to to allow me to go, <laughs> to, go <laughs> to eventually, you know, hop on over to Superbooth and see some of the amazing stuff that's out there. Um, you know, and hopefully get get my son a little bit more. He he likes to just kind of tweak. He's one, so he he doesn't really get mm -hmm. it yet, but um eventually it'd be nice to kind of have him come as my accomplice. But um yeah, definitely been one of my dream goals is to is to well, A, get back to Germany because you know I love the culture, yeah. love the beer, the food is awesome. I <laughs> uh, just love the country in general. Um but they also host Superbooth, which is you know yeah. just the coolest thing. So I mean it's yeah. Yeah, totally. What you're saying, totally true. And the, I think the cool thing about Superbooth yeah. actually is that it's, for, for me, it was, okay, I go there for the sins and for all the stuff, for the gear. But what actually really stood out for me mm -hmm. and was the, the, the biggest show of the of the show basically was the the community i mean mm. the people there everyone is like super open super friendly you can talk wow. to everyone there, there are no stupid questions you can basically i know nothing about modular and i have a lot of my friends uh, who i walked around with yes. during the days and they are totally into it and i was always feeling like when standing there at booth people explaining modular gear i was like holy shit i don't have a clue what they're talking oh, about yeah. yeah, it is. It yeah. is. But the cool thing is there, you don't feel really stupid because cool. people encourage you to just ask questions and yeah. uh, you can, you can, you can just dive into it. They are really hands on saying, Hey, you just have a try, play with it and all that stuff. Everyone is super open, trying to explain you things. And yeah. uh, that was something I really appreciated. And then also it's not a really classical 
trade show of course you mm -hmm. have your different booths inside but outside you have more like a festival area where you yeah. have uh, three different stages where always live music is playing in the evening it gives a little bit more in the techno direction so you cool. have something where you can just dance and vibe to and nice. it's it's to be honest it's it's a perfect blend between festival vibes and uh, trade show vibes but it doesn't feel as you're on a trade show it feels more like you're on a festival and meet wow. a couple of friends yeah it's yeah. it's really cool yeah. and the community vibe is absolutely amazing it can wow. just encourage everyone in the in the synth sphere going there because it's um yeah it's like a big meetup of an awesome community of really really friendly people that are all nerds that are all talking about <laughs> the same stuff that we are passionate about right and, i mean these are um, our heroes too i mean the people that yeah, actually make the stuff that we're jamming absolutely. on I mean, that is like Oh, that's super cool. It's that that that's getting me hyped for for the you know the next few years seeing about if I can really really make it there. Um but so what was the cool what would you say is like the coolest new instrument or thing that you saw at Superbooth this year? I think the actually I had two or I would say three highlights. So the first one was the uh the the new electron box like we said in the beginning, I'm a big Electron fan, so mm -hmm. that was kind of like my first stop, and they announced this new Analog Heat analog Plus thing. FX, which basically mm -hmm. is an Analog Heat, but it also adds digital effects. Um, I had some mixed feelings about it after testing it because I wouldn't know really how to integrate it in my setup, but then I did an interview also with Electron, and they said, hey, it's um, we're also planning some more digital modules to be added wow. via software updates to the to the product, and that is something where I think it gets really interesting then, Whoa. when you have a couple of models to choose from, and then you have a nice multi effects unit but mm. still can use it for wild sound design or something you can put at the end of your chain to just round up your dollar sound so i think then it would be a really round device but probably it will it will still take some time to for them to to get there at least in my eyes of course i have to say cool. uh, but that was already nice so and is then it, is I it more had... like a mixing console no it's actually um so it's a saturator but with added um so an analog saturator i have to okay. say it has i think I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. It's a six or eight analog circuit, something like that, built inside. You have different um, to choose from to really beef up your sound. Also pretty heavy distorted. Wow. And then it has a couple of uh, digital effects like um, there is in a delay, a reverb, um, uh, I think a compressor is also in there. Just some, some stuff you can then randomly kind of like change in the order of your effects <laughs> chain, That's which awesome. is really nice. Yeah. And it has a ton of modulation opportunities. I think the whole device has three different LFOs and each LFO has two different destinations. And that is like, you can go completely wild with that, which is, nice. uh, which is cool yeah, i would have loved to also see a sequencer on it mm -hmm. that you can kind of like sequence and step lock different settings uh and also some uh, some other stuff i would like to see on it but but still it's a it's a very cool unit and i had some great fun playing around with it That's i have to so admit cool. yeah. hey electron if you're out there listening i mean we got some feedback for you <laughs> some live some really really good feedback i mean that's really awesome what an interesting box to have at the end of your you know of your signal chain here i mean just to kind of further scatter things and and make the sounds more complex as they get mm -hmm. shot out into the um the mixer that's really awesome well th yeah, thanks for, for sharing that um who would you say yeah, was course. the most interesting person or what was the most interesting i guess booth that you ended up um visiting uh the most interesting booth mm -hmm. i would say um Hmm. That, that's a that's a tricky one i would say the the oxy oxy instruments booth mm -hmm. was pretty nice but just because they had this awesome sequencer called the oxy one which was one of the most complex sequencers i've seen they paired it with a lot of their modules so they're more into yeah. kind of like modules or modular synthesis modular but they yeah exactly but they also have this 
yeah, MIDI sequencer you can use with a DAW, but you can also use completely DAWless. And I've seen a couple of people actually, um, Eric, aka Soko, shout out at this place. He nice. played an awesome techno set uh, using the sequencer and also using some of the Oxy modules. And that like really blew me away because he played it directly at the booth and was like, wow, the sound, everything. It was like so oh, driving. Man. And he explained afterwards a little bit how he did it on the sequencer. And I think I've never seen such an in-depth hardware sequencer as wow. this device. It Is was this a standalone pretty... sequencer? Yes, it's so you can use it. Yeah, you can hook it up via MIDI to yeah, basically everything you want to control to a modular setup. It has a ton of different outputs. I think a ton of CV outputs for modular, but also wow. I think USB for some other devices. So it's it's pretty pretty um, versatile. versatile. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, that was really cool. And then I think one of my other highlights, because I need to name them at the same level, was yeah. actually the Sundstrom booth. Not because the booth was so special; they actually just had the deluge there, but because of the news they brought because mm -hmm. they actually announced that they will go open source with the deluge, oh, which wow. is something I find very unique and very exciting in the synthesizer space, mm -hmm. because it's not something I heard from any other company do before. Mm -hmm. And I managed to do an interview with Ian, who's one of the, um, one of the Synstrom, um, product people and uh yeah we had a very nice conversation he explained a little bit about the backgrounds why they do it what they hope to get out of it and all the thought process behind it and uh kind of like that it's also of course for them a little bit of a risk because they're one of the first companies doing that and uh, yeah giving giving things like your own software completely out of your yeah. hands is something you need to be brave to do but i really like the move and it had an awesome conversation that was like really interesting for me to learn because i'm not a deluge user yeah but, but i really a found very that powerful device totally yeah, totally yeah. yeah and totally i see it how they bring, bring improvements continuously basically to the device and then saying okay we kind of like hit a wall right now where we think okay this device is kind of like complete but our users still have so much to add nice. so why not let them do it and this is um this is pretty exciting and i think this was also definitely one of my big highlights oh that is super cool thank you for the shout outs too i mean that's really really awesome you know if, if anyone from the deluge team is listening like Thank you for allowing this and <laughs> thank you for giving us such an awesome device and for making it open source. Um, I think too many companies are so, you know, what's the word? They're so protective of their IP that they don't really feel like, you know, sharing or they, they could get a little stingy when it comes to that sort of thing. So taking a chance on the people that use, you know, your instruments, I think that is such a cool idea um totally well, awesome yeah. well that that's super booth man i mean that's that makes me really hyped for you know whatever we're gonna see um whatever that didn't get announced at super booth and is you know being announced in in the in these weeks that we're in right now um in, which kind of leads us back to the push three um which i think is a sort of like a dollis version of ableton is that sort of what it's um kind of positioned to be yeah, I think it's mm. it's a it's a hybrid version. Oh, actually, there are two versions of the Push Three. One nice. is um, pretty similar to the Push Two, so yeah. it's just a controller. It controls Ableton as a MIDI controller, but it brings all the other features of Push Three with it, like uh, the integrated audio interface nice. and also the MPE uh, controls, which I found very interesting. Mm. But then you also get a um, more expensive version which is then also a standalone version. So you can nice. basically use it as a controller, but you can completely 
uh, hook it off Ableton. And the cool thing is it not only is standalone, but you can also have it battery powered. Oh and I think God. the battery ah. runs up till <laughs> two and a half hours. So it's perfectly for a live set or a session. And then you can, of course, continue to use it um, uh, yeah, with a, with a power supply. And this is something... And, and the cool thing I really like, because they really seem to have thought this through, yeah. you can actually, if you get just the controller version, you can later on buy a kit to upgrade yourself, your controller version to the standalone version, which I think is pretty cool oh, because when you it. say, okay, right now I don't have the extra euros to spend. I just want right. to go the, for the, for the controller version. Then later on, you can update it yourself. And also all the components wow. they built in there, of course, the, um, CPU mm-hmm. and uh, the processor, everything can be exchanged later on. Oh, it's uh, modular. Which is really cool. it, it, the in- internals are modular. That's really unique. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah you have an. I think you have an Intel. Com- uh, sorry, an Intel processor okay. in there, and then I think CPU is. I'm not entirely sure. I wow. think it's eight gigabytes or something. Oh and God. you can you can definitely upgrade that later, computer, which I think yeah. is super it's like a, awesome. It's a desktop it's, it's, computer. Yeah. That is exactly. Insane. It's like a computer that's running uh, only Ableton, Ableton as a software, of course. And then if, if you need it to be more powerful, yeah. uh, then you can update it later on, which I think is pretty wow. wild. And yeah, it's definitely <laughs> something I'm I'm having my eye on. Because for me, for my yeah. current current setup, it would simplify a lot of things. Because my, my setup or my thought mm. process is always, how can I minimize my setup? How can I make it as portable as possible? Because nice. I'm getting more into playing more and more live gigs. Yep. And recently, um, they are going quite well. But I discovered kind of like that having a compact setup is always a big advantage because Absolutely. you're quicker in setting up, quicker at mantling everything down, and then quicker at connecting and getting basically everything running. And sometimes when you're playing live, you don't have that much time. That's so it's so always true. nice to have a, yeah, to have a... Uh, quick and yep, direct yep, 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 yep. setup that's yeah and yeah. sorry no and i was just gonna do a, a very quick very shameless plug for my own uh youtube channel for shines tv that's actually a new video that i'm working on right now um since i've actually been playing a lot more shows using just op1 um and my mm, vocal mm-hmm. module i have a little like vocal um harmonizer unit that i use as a vocoder um i'm actually gonna start um you know i, I have a couple tips and just little little tips like that that um will kind of just help speed things up when you're trying to set up because i mean some of these shows you have like a 10 minute setup time and if you yeah. Like hope to have any sort of sound check. I mean, it's one of those things where the quicker you can get on, the better. So sorry, yeah, shameless plug there. Um, but no, let's... no, absolutely <laughs> fine. And I, honestly, I'm looking yeah. forward to that nice. video because there's yeah. still a lot to learn from from me in this in this field. Um, but yeah, for me, it was always like, okay, how can I maxim- or, or minimize mm-hmm. the setup or simplify it as good as possible? And the Push Three actually offers two options to do mm-hmm. that. The first one is actually due to the integrated audio interface because i was always taking my big chunky audio interface i have here in the studio because it's one of the only interfaces i found that really has a traditional midi output which is not something you find at least i have seen Mm -hmm. so often on audio interfaces and i use it to sequence the mother 32 from ableton and actually when i've seen the push 3 i was like holy shit it has a midi in and out built into it and i was like yes so i I could like with this device i could get completely rid of the audio interface and just do everything via the push which is awesome and i mean due to the fact that it's standalone it it would probably take me a little bit workarounds because I heard that it's not possible right now on the standalone version to use third-party plugins because I can understand that there need to be some limitations to the hardware. Right, right. Um, but you can still, it seems that you can just freeze the tracks where you have third-party plugins on and then you can basically, uh, yeah, you just use it standalone. Oh, and I mean, that would be, for me, like just having a push-three 
the Digitone and the Moog, and then that that's it. Oh that's the God. whole setup, and that I could green, play still all setup. of my music. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that is where I thought, okay, damn, I I love it. Actually, I'm I, really I, looking into it. <laughs> I, I saw your post um, through the eyes of your Push Two, just staring down <laughs> the Push Three that might be coming and taking its place. But um, I mean, obviously, it'll still it'll still be there, you know, for you. And actually, yeah. um, wanted to segue into playing your track that heavily features the push two. Um, I believe this is the push two track with Ableton. It's another one of your kind of more recent videos here. Um, I think it might be part of one of your tutorials on on the push mm-hmm. two. Um, yeah, so I yeah, think so. definitely folks, you know, you know, check out the um, the description that I'm gonna put under the video after this is uh, after the interview is done uh, and check out some of the tutorials that are on uh, Miles's you know YouTube page. But let me play that track. Um, let's get some waters and then when we come back, let's conclude things with your advice for newcomers to the synth world world and you know any other shout outs and stuff that we have let's go ahead and give this one a listen this is a good example i think of your hybrid dollar setup so we'll give it a listen right here track this one had some really nice kind of ambient kind of vibes to it you had the microcosm that was kind of feeding it all this like delay and you know reverb and stuff like that um and this was i think a really really cool example of you know how you're integrating ableton and the push uh, into some of your actual hardware effects and you know stuff like that so i think um you know thanks for you know for allowing us to play that on on of the course, show of course um but really really awesome i mean um can you maybe tell us a little bit about how you came up with this particular um instance or this track yeah so i think it was just a jam i did in ableton actually where i used um one of the ableton instruments i don't know probably it was wavetable i do a lot with the ableton wavetable synthesizer it's one of my favorite software since um and yeah i just played around with it then added an arp because i i just love arps and then i started to play around with the push and then open filter and stuff a little bit the cool thing is actually Mm -hmm. in ableton what i really like to do is to have kind of like this build this big effect chain in Ableton and then basically map the A3 macros that are used the most to the to the whole chain nice. and then you can actually play them on push via the eight macros on the push which makes it a really playable instrument and um, so you do some preparation in the door before but then afterwards it feels more like something dollars or a real instrument right which is almost super like nice. a sampler or, or like a, a physical exactly. effect box that you're using yeah. that's really that's exactly cool. i did not know like i actually I, I know zero about the push world and the ableton world i i'm a logic user that's just kind of the mm, doll that okay. i've been kind of, sort of you know for lack of a better term stuck in for the last you know 12 years or so um but you know ableton's it, everyone talks it up they, it's from the interface it seems really you know intuitive you've got your loops and patterns and stuff like that that you can you know cycle through and all that kind of your scenes right um but having 
I, I don't think Logic has as much hardware integration. Um, you can get MIDI controllers and stuff to sort of integrate. You can kind of hit the learn button mm -hmm. and kind of mess with different things. But if you're talking about macros and, and actual physical uh, controls for the effects and triggers and stuff like that, I really don't think um, you can really beat Ableton with any of the other software that's out there. So that's really that's really cool to to hear. And I think anyone who's out there that you know that that's trying to make music on their laptop and wants to get a little bit more of that tactile feel, um, I you know the push two seems really cool. I mean, obviously the push three is coming out now, so maybe the push two will lower in price, and maybe I can get one one of these days. <laughs> but um, you know, that's that's I think really really awesome. I um I think it's really cool for anyone out there who wants to join you know this sort of world uh, to hear to to sort of start yeah, getting totally. there their feet wet in the dollless world so you know we're reaching sort of the end of the interview and i wanted to sort of give you the chance to you know share some advice anyone who's new to the instagram or you know the synthesizer instagram world or just the synthesizer world in general what advice would you give to someone who you know doesn't really play much or um what would you say to uh to them hmm, that's a good question i would say um Actually, for people starting out, I think it's super hard because there's a lot actually to learn in the world. And I think one of the things I was always a little bit afraid of is, or the advice I would give to people is ask questions to everyone you come across and you see doing something. Because I can tell for myself, I, I love to get engaged with people no matter how far they are in their musical journey. I just love to exchange about the stuff. Mm -hmm. But when I started out, I was always a little afraid because I knew just so little and I was afraid kind of like to showing my unknowledge to the world, mm -hmm. so to say. But this is totally not something people should be afraid of. It, it, they should just keep asking because that is how you get better. That is how you get your questions answered and that is how you understand things. And I think this is the most important point, which I would have loved to do a little bit earlier. And also on YouTube, I mean, there are a lot of people out there on YouTube doing great stuff and just write them a comment and uh, probably, or maybe they will answer. Actually, yesterday I <laughs> I watched the Andrew Huang um, yeah. uh, Ableton Push 3 video oh, nice. and I just wrote a comment below there because I had a question, actually, what we were talking about about third-party plugins how mm. it behaves if you load a project with third-party plugins and actually andrew answered to me and said yeah hey it works i tried it and blah blah, blah and all that stuff and it was like oh man just super cool and <laughs> i think there's a lot of people just out there um willing to help and willing to just chat with other people and answer their questions so um don't agree. be yeah. ever afraid to to ask questions that you have even if they might sound stupid to you mm -hmm. but they're definitely not because it's like everyone's starting out at some point and all of those people have those questions and uh yeah i can just encourage all people to to uh to ask and also engage i think that's the second advice mm -hmm. that comes a little bit along it engage yourself in communities because communities mm -hmm. are great to share knowledge Communities are great to learn from each other, but communities are also nice to kind of like um, share your music with or ask for feedback, basically everything. And this is like really something I gotten also into a, bit, a little too late and something I really appreciate to have right now. Um, yeah, it's it's just nice to exchange with people and to uh, to learn from them. So I think, yeah, this was apart from all which since you should learn first or right. anything i think it really depends on the person it's not something you can generally say but i would really say to people don't be afraid to ask questions even though they might sound stupid they are they are not you're just learning and second engage yourself in communities talk to like-minded people and yeah try to learn from from the people around you and that will really help you Wow, I could not have put that better that is excellent advice um, to anyone joining I mean obviously there are so 
many synthesizers now and like every every month there's just some other new thing coming out um and it really does depend on you know what your interests are you know some of us uh, like the electron boxes others you know they want to have like a full keyboard with all this other stuff built into it but i really think you know reaching out to people that use those instruments and that, that are you know good knowledge sources um you might be listening to two really good knowledge sources on moog stuff right here um but yeah reaching out to people not being afraid to ask the question that you know that comes to your mind about you know maybe even before you get the product um or you know if you're starting and struggling with it it's uh, i think that's always a really really good idea well thank you miles um totally. do you have any current project shout outs anything that you want to kind of shout out any upcoming shows that you want the community to know about yeah i'm just oh yeah actually i have uh, next week i have a i have a new live set coming up that's a one hour live set oh, i wow. played for um for a swiss radio station called uh, gds fm um and uh yeah it was aired on their program already um i think it was last saturday um oh. yeah we're streaming live so i need to think cool. but yeah it was uh, it was last saturday and um yeah it will be aired again in june and next week on the 30th of may i will have the full live set also with uh visuals on my youtube channel so nice. um if that's something people are into happily to welcome everyone there there will also be a watch party at 8 p.m cst on the 30th of may so everyone willing to be there i will be there um for the youtube premiere cool. and yeah i'm really <laughs> looking forward to sharing that with the world because they actually went a lot of work into this set also the recording uh the editing uh, i never edited so many layers of 4k video footage wow. uh, with, with such a length uh, like one hour is is crazy that like is my macbook was like really i can't handle this <laughs> <laughs> the fan spinning all that yeah yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. oh, that is, oh, yeah. well, actually, I'm lo really looking forward to that. If I can join you there, I, I will absolutely, I think that's my 2 p.m. So, you know, if, if I'm not like busy with work or with um, baby stuff, I will, I will definitely try to maybe even just like have it on while I'm doing other things. But your music is killer, dude. I mean, like your sets are Thank you, man. ripping, really like they are it. just awesome. Um, you know, at some point, if I ever go to Germany, I'm going to see if you're playing and like come out to like a house show or something Absolutely. that you're doing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. would really just love to, to vibe to some of the stuff that you do. And hopefully by then you'll be on your push three, um, dig a tone setup. <laughs> we'll see. Let's um, see. Future yeah. goals. Yeah. Future goals. <laughs> but, um, all in all, thank you so much for, um, you know, for joining me here, for being willing to share your experiences and your stories with us on second operator. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. And and, um, you know, for the rest of your day, I really hope you have a really good evening, whatever you're up to now, probably dinner, um, probably really thirsty after up such next. a long conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so really, Miles, thank you again for being on the show. And, um, you know, we'll catch you on your live streams. Yeah, thank you. And no, honestly, thanks for having me. Like, really big, big pleasure to being here. And uh, yeah, appreciate you. Appreciate your music, too. Like thank I you. said, learned a lot from you about the Mother 32 <laughs> here again, Community Exchange. Absolutely. So actually, I watched Fine's videos about the Mother 32. And that's also how we got a little bit in contact. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks. Big, big thanks for having me. It was a great conversation. And uh, yeah. All right. All the best for you, man. Yeah, well, uh, guten Abend. <laughs> I believe. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I was just to. <laughs> how do I say that in Japanese? I, I would better not try. So, <laughs> um, would you say oyasumi or yeah, oyasumi would probably be like that's more like good night. But um, okay. yeah, but I'll just say yoroshiku because <laughs> that means okay. We'll we'll continue to do stuff in the future. <laughs> awesome, that sounds perfect. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> All right, Miles. Have a great rest of your evening, and we'll catch you later. Thank you. You All too. Right. See ya. See ya.
You can right. And you can find Miles on Instagram at at sign Miles underscore Kundra, which is spelled M I L E S underscore K V N D R A. You can also find his amazing YouTube tutorials at youtube.com slash C slash Miles Kundra. Once again, that's M I L E S K V N D R A. Super duper cool stuff. You've been listening to Second Operator. Thank you so much for joining us here on the live stream and for being part of this amazing, awesome, extremely friendly Dallas music community. Next week, we will be interviewing the Dallas legend James Burns, also known as Robinson Village. I cannot wait to get into his music and his processes as well. Please keep an eye on my Instagram page for more details. If you do want to get in touch with me with any news or community shout outs, you can connect with me on Instagram at second.operator, as well as on Twitter at second underscore operator. You can also find us right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash at sign second operator. And eventually you'll find us on every podcast platform in the known universe. If you'd like to support our show, we are actually on Patreon at patreon.com slash second operator. The lowest tier is a dollar a month, which will still get you a cool sticker for participating in the show and for really just supporting us and being an awesome person. And for all the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. I have been your humble host, Shines. We will catch you in the next show. Cheers. Have a great rest of your day and guten Abend. <laughs>